Good morning, friends. It is wonderful to have you joining here with me in the house of the Lord. For those who I don't know, my name is Pastor Fred. I'm the head pastor here along with my wife. And it is a wonderful privilege for me to be able to come before you now and to share from the Word of God. And to begin, I want to read some for you. From Psalm 95 and verse 1. It says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For great, or for the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. So come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Just let that sink in for a moment as we break open the word of God today. What, what an invitation we have from Scripture before us now. And I think it's important to, to check our heart's posture in these moments as we hear God's word today. Are you ready to hear from the Lord? Have you come to church prepared, anticipating what God wants to do? Are we focused and eager? Are we attentive to his spirits moving in these moments? I don't know how your, your preparation for Sunday morning looks. I don't even know if you've ever considered what it looks like to prepare for coming to church. Maybe for some, it's just something you do. But I think if we prepare our hearts, then we show up differently. Think for a moment yourselves. You're here, and it's now. Are you distracted or burdened? Do your mind, does your mind drift to things that are less undone, maybe at home, or things that are awaiting you, maybe? Are you burdened? I don't know what you've left behind this morning to come and to be here in this place. I don't know what awaits you when you leave this day. Neither do I know what you've brought with you, what you're carrying. Maybe you show up here today with baggage and, and burdens. Maybe your heart is heavy. Maybe you're just hanging on. I don't know how your heart has been tested in these moments leading up to church today. Maybe everything was smooth and easy. Maybe it's been a rough morning. Maybe you were sweating bullets by the time you got your kids in the car. We've had those days. I know what that's like. Maybe this morning you're heartbroken as you sit here. Maybe you're desperately trying to give the impression that you've got it all together. I don't know. 
But here is what I do know. Listen, regardless of how you got here, hear this, okay? God the Most High, Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides, says to us today through his word, come into my presence. He says, you are people of my pastor. You are people under my care. Rest easy, friends, knowing that our God is the rock of salvation. That's what we read as we began. And so let's take a moment here. Let's just pause, take a deep breath in the knowledge that the God we have been singing about today is not some distant, ambivalent deity, but a loving and merciful God, a good shepherd who cares for his people like sheep in his pasture. God, we pray that you would speak today. God, we pray that your spirit would move in this place and in our hearts that we might surrender to you. God, may you help us to to choose to set aside anything that would distract us from your word and your spirit in these moments. I pray that your message to our hearts would be clear today and directly from your lips. Lord, move us to, to cast our burdens and our cares at your feet, knowing that freedom is found in you. So bless us, Lord, as we seek more of you today. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. Big cleansing. I hope that that's, that's meaningful for you today. I think sometimes we need to, to pray that kind of centering prayer, to take those moments to just pause and recognize where we are and to really open our hearts to God's moving especially in moments when we want to hear his still, small voice. It's important to be attentive to God's Spirit. Because as we hear God, we are invited to things. Invited to know that he is good, that he loves, that he is merciful. And here in Psalm 95, we are invited to worship. And particularly here in Psalm 95, God outlines two ways in which we can come before him. Two invitations to worship or two responses to God's invitation to worship. Now, that's not to say that there are only two ways to worship God. Don't get that here. In context, this psalm, Psalm 95, was written... Uh, so that when the priest invited everyone to come to church, when they were gathering for temple, these words would often kick off their service. Just like we did when we read this psalm to begin our service. That's why this psalm was written. And the psalmist invites the worshipers to come. That first word, come. And in fact, the Hebrew root of this word is probably even better translated as come on. Come on and let us sing for joy to the Lord. I think he was from Newfoundland. Come on. 
Let's sing for joy. And that that language, though, that difference, that's important because it, we see that it's a corporate invitation. This phrasing reminds us that we are invited to worship together. We are invited into the presence of God, and we have the opportunity to bring someone with us, right? That's what come on means. Come on. Let's sing for joy to the Lord. It's one of the reasons why we sing and make music and praise God, because it's a joyful activity that we can all share in. We sing, we clap, we move. The next verse of this goes a little bit farther. See it? Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. See, the point here is that when we worship God, we are confronted where we come to grips with who he really is and who he truly is. We began to catch a glimpse of all that he has done. And that knowledge ought to solicit a response from his people, hey? I mean, think about it like this. We cheer hockey players after they score. Ready to know these guys? When McDavid makes that big turn at his own blue line and comes up picking up speed, we're all just enthralled. I Or Matthews, if you're that guy, I guess. I tried to find the worst possible picture I could of him. Not a fan. But if you're one of those, these guys, these hockey heroes, right? We They bring us to our feet. Even in our own homes. Are you one of those that watch the hockey game and you jump up when your team scores, even in your own house? If we're blessed enough then to be in the arena at the time, we don't even think about our response to what's going on on the ice, do we? It just happens. We get loud. We don't think about how loud we are. We jump up. We don't think about that. We high-five our buddies. I remember one time I was at a hockey game, and there was a Montreal Canadiens fan sitting behind me, one of my brothers. And it was the season opener for the Leafs a few years ago, and we scored, and this very large Frenchman reached over and kissed me on the head. I didn't know who he was. And I didn't even question it. Because we won and beat the Leafs. We don't even think about it, right? It just comes out. As fans, we cannot help but applaud the impressive, right? We don't even think about it. And then we come to grips with Scripture like this and how much more impressive and celebratory and awe-inspiring and wonderful and amazing are the things that God has done and continues to do right? Now hear me out here. How is it that sometimes we feel our worship needs to be stoic and reserved when we read scripture like this? When we sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Why is it our first instinct is not to go, yes, that's who he is. And to shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. I overheard a conversation this week uh, between Silas, our youth pastor, 
and someone who was fairly new to the church. And so we were making some introductions there, and Silas said, Hi, I'm Silas, I'm the youth pastor. And, and the guy said, Oh, I know who you are. You're the guy who sits up front every Sunday. I see you with your hands raised. I see you really enjoying yourself. And Silas was like, Yeah, I don't know, it just sort of happens. And he's like, No, 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 no. He's like, That's such an inspiration to me. See, God can use and does use how we worship him to be inspiring. It's okay to respond in worship to God in the way that he moves you. It's okay, Northridge. Loosen up a little bit. It is. And it's not just singing or shouting or raising hands, but doing so with joy and honest recognition of who God is. Now, I understand that there are seasons of life where we might struggle to think that we can be joyful, right? We endure trials and hardships and challenges and heartache and grief and loss. I get all of that. There are seasons of life where joyfulness isn't even on the radar. But here's the thing. When we join with others in worship, we recognize that joyful worship isn't rooted in our emotion. It isn't rooted in our feelings or the situations we find ourselves in. It's founded in God and who he is. Worship draws us in to God's presence. And how can we not be joyful when we're found in God's presence? When our focus is on him who saves us, what have we to fear, right? What have we to fret or, or worry about? The psalmist is clear. He says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving, extol him with music and song. Why? Because the Lord or for the Lord is the great God the king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Who is worthy of worship if not our God? Yeah. Amen. Remember, loosen up a little bit. It's okay. Amen, right? Who is worthy of worship if not God? He is great above all else. The psalmist here, he essentially says, guys, look around. Look at creation, the heights and majesty of the mountains. Guess what? God made that. And then he says, look around, look at the sea, the depths and vastness of the sea. God made that too. From the highest heights to the lowest lows, the deepest depths, God created it all. He owns it. It is his. Who else could do that? And so the psalmist invites those gathered for worship to, to recognize God's greatness. And in response to God's greatness, he calls for songs of praise, for shouts of joy, for prayers of thanksgiving. And then we get to verse 6 of Psalm 95. And if verse 1 is, come on, 
Then verse 6 begins with, come in. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. There's a shift here. The psalmist invites those who worship into sacred moments, moving from rejoicing to reverence. Singing and shouting become kneeling and bowing. And it's a shift into these tender and and humble and transparent moments between the Creator and those who are made in His image. And we are drawn in to the throne room, to the very presence of God through these words, the shepherd of his people, knowing that we are the flock under his care as we worship him. And don't miss this here. So when you read Psalm 95, it's steeped in covenant language. Now, to put it simply, this psalm is a reminder of God's relationship with his people. It's a call to to follow his ways, to praise and to worship him because he is great. He is creator. That we have a God who cares for his people. And we know, friends, that this message has been made flesh. It's perfected for humanity and completed in full in the person of Jesus Christ, the good shepherd of his people. In John chapter 10 and verse 11, Jesus himself proclaims this. He says, John 10 verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hands run away because he's working only for money. He doesn't really care about the sheep. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. That friends, is why we worship. That is the response to the invitation to come and worship him. It's about giving God proper honor, about praising him for who he is, drawing into his presence through relationship with Jesus Christ. Psalm 95 invites us to come out and then come in. So friends, In these moments, I want to invite you to do the same thing. Would you stand with me? We're going to continue to worship. But will you read this together with me as a corporate prayer, this invitation to one another and to ourselves to come on, to sing joyfully for God, to come before him with thanksgiving, recognizing all that he has done. That's how we worship. And then to come before him with honesty, with openness, into his very throne room, into those intimate places, laying it bare before him. 
worshiping him for who he is, the good shepherd who cares for each one of his sheep. Will you read this with me together? Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. Let's worship 